Hi, if you're tuned into this podcast, that means you missed my class or you want an extra reinforcement on the classroom notes on mythology. Let's get right down to mythology. We're going to learn a little about the Titans. We're going to learn about the principal gods. We're going to learn about some of the secondary gods. We're going to talk about the fates during this unit. We'll read a couple of stories. We'll find out about the hero's journey. And we'll just talk about mythology and the culture of ancient Greece as we go through. First, I want to start off by uh, answering the question, what is a myth? A myth is a traditional story rooted in primitive folk beliefs or cultures. It uses the supernatural to interpret natural events. And it explains the culture's view of the universe and the nature of humanity. According to Greek mythology, in the beginning was chaos, which is shapeless nothingness. Chaos, the Greeks say, had two children, night, which was darkness, and Erebus, which was depth. All was black, empty, silent, and endless. And mysteriously, love was born of darkness and death. Then when love was born, order and beauty began to flourish. Love created light and day. Earth was created. She was the solid ground, but also a personality. The earth bore heaven to cover her and be a home for the gods. The first parents were Mother Earth, Gaia, and Father Heaven, Uranus. They had three kinds of children, three monsters with a hundred hands and fifty heads, three cyclops, and the titans. And these were the first characters that had the appearance of life, although it was unlike any life known to man. Greek mythology was all about justification for what was going on in the lives of the Greek people and in the lives of the Romans back in the day. They had gods that justified every sort of behavior and every type of phenomena that they could use. The Titans were the elder gods, and there were many of them. They were enormous in size. They had incredible strength. There was Kronos, whose Roman name was Saturn, the ruler of the Titans. Rio was the wife of Kronos. Ocean was the river that encircled the world. And Iapetus was the father of Prometheus, Epimetheus, and Atlas who were also Titans. Now, the principal gods were Kronos and Rhea. They were the parents of Zeus, Poseidon, Hades, Hera, Hestia, and Demeter. Some of the other Olympians included Athena, Ares, Hebe, Hephaestus, Apollo, Artemis, Hermes, Aphrodite, Dionysus, and Persephone. As I go through the PowerPoint, I am going to talk to you about the Greek god. I'll give you their Roman name, and then I'll kind of give you a brief description of each god, and, and we'll talk about what they stood for, what their purpose was, maybe give you a description of them, and, and a, an interesting fact for most of them. Now, the first one we're going to talk about is Zeus, and Zeus lived with all of the other leaders of the gods, on Mount Olympus. That was the home of the gods. Most of the gods lived on Mount Olympus. We'll talk about a couple that didn't. 
Mount Olympus is both an actual mountain in Greece and the mythical home of the Greek gods. In Zeus's palace on its peak resided the 12 Olympians, which consisted of the major gods and goddesses. Now, depending on whom you asked, the exact names of those 12 changed. We're going to talk about all of the gods, not all of them, but a a good amount of the major gods. We'll definitely bring up the major gods and some of the ones that you're going to hear about in stories to give you an understanding of what Greek mythology is, what its purpose was, and kind of talk about the culture of the era. Okay. The first one we're going to talk about is Zeus. His Roman name was Jove or Jupiter. He was known as the Lord of the sky, rain bringer, cloud gatherer, And after leading his brother and sister gods in a revolt against their parents, the Titans, Zeus became the unquestioned ruler of the heavens. His feared weapon is the thunderbolt, and his palace on Mount Olympus is a place of peace where all gods are welcome. Zeus is the husband of the goddess Hera, but it's not in Zeus's nature to be faithful to Hera time and time again. He enters into disastrous affairs with other goddesses, nymphs, and mortal women. Zeus is the all-father. Almost all of the second generation of gods claim Zeus as their father. Many of the mortal heroes are children of the god as well. And Zeus's bird is the eagle. Next, we're going to talk about Hera. Hera's Roman name is Juno. She's the goddess of marriage, the queen of Olympus, She's usually shown as a crafty schemer and a jealous wife. She's the mother of a few of the second-generation gods. Ares, Hephaestus, and Hebe. Zeus and his frequent affairs are enough to keep her busy, punishing his many lovers and cursing his illegitimate children. Even though she cannot protect her own marriage, Hera is labeled as the protector of the institution of marriage. Wives with unfaithful husbands could definitely sympathize with her. Hera has a fiery temper and enough venom for her anger to last centuries. Her animal is the cow, and her bird is the peacock. The Romans named June, the season for marriage, after Hera. Poseidon is the next god that I want to talk about. Poseidon's Roman name is Neptune. He's the god of the seas and waters. He's also known as the earth shaker. Next to his brother Zeus, Poseidon's the god the Greeks most feared. As a seafaring people, they knew the hazards of a stormy sea. The god was known for his mood swings, his violent rage one minute, calm the next, just like the waters he controlled. In the Trojan War, he favored the Greeks because of their love of shipbuilding. Yet legend had it that generations before, he and Apollo had helped build the walls of Ilium. When an earthquake took place, the Greeks recognized it as the work of Poseidon, the earth shaker. Poseidon was married to the daughter of Ocean, and he commanded the waves with his mighty trident. Next, we'll talk about Hades. Hades, his Roman name is Pluto, god of the underworld, god of the dead. He kidnapped Persephone. Although although he has been presented as a villain before, Hades is no villain. He is cold and calculating. He keeps to himself, only showing up in myths when sought out. Hades is more a recluse than anything else. He has little to do with mortals' lives. Their deaths are a different story. 
Hades is not death himself. In other words, he's not responsible for deciding when mortals die. A mortal's death is an assembly line in Greek mythology. After the gods defeated their forebearers, the Titans, Hades was presented with a helmet of invisibility and given the underworld to rule. Hades' Roman name Pluto came from the Greek word for wealth. The god was considered rich because of all the precious metals that are found beneath the earth. Next, we're going to talk about Hestia. Hestia's Roman name is Vesta. She's the goddess of the home and hearth. She's a very powerful protector. Now, Hestia never plays a part in any Greek myth. You won't read about her in any stories at all. Even though she wasn't exciting enough to make it into the stories, the Greeks honored Hestia with their dinnertime prayers, asking her to bless their food and protect their homes. City-states had a central hearth dedicated to this goddess, where the fire never went out. She was the third of the virgin goddesses. To the Romans, she was the patron goddess of the Vestal Virgins, who in the Temple of Vesta kept the hearth fire of Rome forever burning. Hestia is one of three virgin goddesses, along with Athena and Artemis. Let's talk about Demeter. Demeter's Roman name is Ceres. She's the goddess of the harvest and a goddess of the earth, also known as the goddess of agriculture. The Greeks and Romans felt an extremely strong connection with Demeter. The goddess was responsible for providing them with their sustenance and livelihood. In addition to this, Demeter was one of the few gods who did not reside on Olympus. She lived on earth, where she could be close to those who needed her most. Also, unlike the other gods, Demeter's existence was bittersweet. In the fall and winter, she mourned her daughter Persephone. Only during the spring and summer was she truly happy. All of these qualities endeared her to her worshippers. Her sacred cult at Eleusis was one of the most popular, and the secrets kept so well that to this day researchers have no clue what their rites consisted of. From her name, Cirrus, comes our word for grain-based food, cereal. Athena. Her Roman name was Minerva. She's the goddess of wisdom and war. According to one tale, Athena was not actually born, but sprang fully grown from Zeus's head. This is symbolic of her distinction of, of goddess of wisdom. Athena's animal was the wisest of birds, the owl. As the leader of the virgin goddesses, those who will never marry, Athena refuses to let any man be her master. When a new city-state was founded, there was a contest between Athena and her uncle Poseidon over who should be its patron god. The competition was fierce to win the people over to his side. Poseidon formed the first horse from the crest of a wave. In order to one-up his gift, Athena created the bridle a tool man could use to subdue Poseidon's creation. Since her gift was the wiser, the city chose Athena as their patron goddess. From this point on, the city-state was called Athens. All right, let's talk about Ares. Ares, his Roman name was Mars. He's the god of war. He's the son of Zeus and Hera, bloodthirsty, merciless, cruelest member of the Olympians, hated by all, even his mother. This god is known for his ruthlessness when he has the upper hand and his cowardice when the tides turn against him. Even the Greeks disliked this terrible god. 
There were no temples to Ares in ancient Greece. Aphrodite, in one of her many infidelities, started an affair with Ares, which was his motivation to fight for the Trojans in the Great War. Martial, a word having to do with war, and march are coined from his Latin name. Next up is Apollo, whose Roman name is Phoebus Apollo. He's the god of light, sun, and music, the brother of Artemis. From all the important titles laid at Apollo's feet, and again, those include god of light, truth, poetry, prophecy, music, you can see the Greeks thought very highly of him. He's called the most Greek of all the gods. He, above all others, represented the ideal man, handsome, athletic, intelligent, talented, and good. His twin sister is Artemis, goddess of the moon. Over time, Apollo came to replace the Greek god Helios as god of the sun as well. The lyre is Apollo's instrument as he is the master musician. Apollo's tree is the laurel. A wreath of laurels was awarded in Greece to those who won a contest of poetry. Apollo's oracle in Delphi was the most reliable and the most popular. Now we'll talk about Artemis. Roman name, Diana. She's the goddess of the moon and hunt, and again, Apollo's twin sister. She's also the protector of maidens and wild creatures. She's often called upon by maidens who want nothing to do with men. Her silver arrows have slain many overzealous suitors. Artemis was also revered as the goddess of the moon. At times, her different duties contradicted one another. Even though she's a hunter of animals herself, she often demands that mortals pay for killing defenseless beasts. In the most famous case, she demands that a Greek army officer offer her a human sacrifice in apology for trampling a family of rabbits. She asks for the life of the general's young daughter, a maiden. This is strange behavior for the protector of maidens. Let's talk about Hermes. Roman name Mercury, messenger of the gods. He's appear, he appears in more myths than any other character. He's the most mis mischievous and clever of the gods. Also served as a guide of dead souls to the underworld. One of the youngest gods, Hermes showed his ability to cause both trouble and delight at an early age. On the day of his birth, Hermes snuck out from his cradle and whisked away the cattle of his elder brother, Apollo. A witness soon reported this to Apollo, who came to Maya, Hermes' mother, demanding the return of his livestock. Maya insisted that Hermes had been in his cradle the entire time. Hermes, Hermes was quickly found out and forced to return the cattle. But in reparation for his actions against Apollo, the newborn god created a lyre from the shell of a turtle. He presented the stringed instrument to his older brother. His anger then melted away. Apollo presented Hermes with a magical sleep-inducing staff called the Caduceus. Once Zeus realized his young son would cause nothing but trouble if his mind weren't constantly occupied, he gave him the job of Olympian messenger. He was given a winged cap and sandals to assist him in his duties. And due to the nature of his job, Hermes appears most often of all the gods. All right, let's talk about Aphrodite. Her Roman name was Venus. She was the goddess of love and beauty. Again, she sprang from the ocean foam. 
Aphrodite was so lovely that the Greeks couldn't imagine her being born in the usual way. In an odd arrangement, this most beautiful goddess was married to the only ugly Olympian, Hephaestus, the deformed god of the forge. Some said that Zeus forced her into the marriage. Others said she chose him herself. Either way, her vows did not stop her from having many affairs. Gods and mortal men found her charms simply irresistible. Whenever on business abroad, Aphrodite was pulled through the sky by a swan-drawn cart. The swan and the dove were both symbols of her grace. In Greece, her worship was popular, although the temple priestesses were rumored to be prostitutes. Our word aphrodisiac, a passion-inducing substance, is derived from her name. Dionysus, Roman name Bacchus, god of wine, patron god of the Greek stage. He's a god of the earth. He was a latecomer to Mount Olympus, the only god to have a mortal parent. Dionysus was what was known as a two-sided god. On one side, he was the gentle planter of the vine, on the other, he's a wild drinker, inspiring his followers to commit terrible acts through intoxication. Satyrs, which are half men, half goat, were said to be the companions of Dionysus, along with his fanatical female followers, the Maenads. Followers of Dionysus gathered in the wilderness and drank themselves into a wild frenzy. More often than not, their gatherings ended with violence. In many stories, kings who do not approve of the new god or the behavior he promotes forbids his worship. This probably reflects Greek society's displeasure with the worshipers of Dionysus, whom many viewed as hedonistic drunks. All right, let's talk about Persephone. Roman name, Proserpina, goddess of the underworld, daughter of Zeus and Demeter, she was abducted by Hades. Persephone is also known as the goddess of springtime and the goddess of the harvest. One day while Persephone was gathering flowers, Hades spied her in the meadow. Not wasting a second, he drove his team of coal black steeds up through the earth and pulled her into his chariot. Back in the underworld, Hades forced her to be his queen. The last god we're going to talk about is Hebe. Roman name Juventus, goddess of the youth. She was a cupbearer to the gods. She restored youth to the aged. Her only job was to hold her father Zeus's cup, which contained the nectar of the gods. She's easily the most overlooked Greek goddess. She was also married to Hercules after he became a god himself. The last element of Greek mythology that I talk about in the introductory lesson is that of the Fates. The Fates were three sisters named Clotho, Lachesis, and Atropos. Clotho was the spinner, Lachesis the disposer of lots, and Atropos was the cutter. And what we mean by that, again, of course, is that the Greeks used the Fates to justify the circle of life, if you will. Clotho's the spinner, began the circle of life, began the human inside the womb, began the human and started making the human, and the human was then born. Lachesis, the disposer of lots, by lots here, what the Greeks meant was 
the disposer of lots decided what your purpose on earth was, what you were going to do, why you were born, why you were here. And you fulfilled your lot. And then Atropos, the cutter, came along and cut you. And that was when you died. So basically the fates were three sisters that weaved, measured, and cut the thread of life for humans. Another form of justification for the Greek people. 